Well, the weather is finally starting to improve here a little bit in Canada and it's starting to hint at the summer ahead. It's a massive one for Canadian soccer and this week gave us even more fuel to get excited about it. We have kit launches, potential deals with CamPL in terms of TV, news about both national teams as well, plus plenty of more. My name is Mitchell Tierney and this week on the show we will talk about all those things plus our usual Toronto FC stuff. It's also another Waking the Red Roundtable edition of the podcast and unfortunately, our resident doctor, Tej Zahoda, couldn't be here with us tonight, uh, but we do have the other usual suspects, Benedict Rhodes and Jeff Nesker. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's start with Toronto FC, as we often do on this show. Um, I, I'm assuming you were both in attendance for, for the game this past weekend, uh, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about uh, very quickly, um, just because you know it, it was so long ago now, but a 2-2 draw against the Chicago Fire. Uh, ben, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, it seemed a little bit like the TFC of last year. I mean, they control possession for most of the game, but then two counterattacking goals and uh, give away some points at home, their first drop points of the season. What did you make of the match from, I guess, the press box perspective? Yeah, I think um, I think Alejandro Pozuelo said it best. He said that Chicago weren't there to win the game. They were there at best to, for a draw or just at least to prevent TFC from winning the game. And kick people. And I think that sort of was a good way to sum up the whole game. I think, I think I said the TFC had like 92% passing accuracy or something like they dominated that game. <laughs> they should have easily won that game in the first half. But it's a lot of missed opportunities, I think, which ultimately led to just, just a boring draw in the end. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the one thing that was uh, unlike last year is that we didn't concede a goal in the first 10 minutes. Right. Fair that, enough. That yeah. Was, that would have been absolutely, yeah, the first three seconds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Bradley playing center back. I know he wasn't listed as center back, but it sure felt like he was playing center back for most of the game. And that was uh, that was a callback to darker, darker times. So uh, definitely felt that way. Um, yeah, I mean they uh, they played for the counter, and uh, they're you know Chicago is what a couple games behind us with their their new number ten. Mm-hmm. Their uh, uh, Al, uh, what is he Argentinian uh, Gaitan? Gaitan, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that was his debut, wasn't it, in a in a fire kit or uh, his think, second game? Yeah, his second yeah, substitute his, appearance. Yeah, yeah. So, well, then they're on par with us, uh, and I think maybe probably had a better game uh, than uh, than Posy Posborn did for us. What was the feeling like in the stands then, Jeff? Because, uh, like I said, it was kind of, a, or like we've said, it's kind of a frustrating game for Toronto FC. I mean, uh, you know, patience all all season so far has been kind of thin, and this was the first real time where Toronto FC looked, uh, you know, a little under the uh, under the weather there. Well, it's interesting that you use that metaphor because it was so sunny that I think uh, we were more excited to get some some action. <laughs> you know, it was the first time that we felt the sun rise over the stands and hit us in the face since uh, since last season. So uh, it definitely, it you know, the, the vibe was good uh, mm-hmm. considering the weather, uh, but it was bad considering the, the quality of play. Um, I think a lot of people were there um, to see uh, Pozuelo debut part Mm-hmm. And uh, since that they that didn't happen, um, there was there was decidedly a somber feeling in the stands. Definitely. Well, what do you make of his performance? I know. Look, he he said it himself. Uh, he's not he's not going to be like that every game. I mean, that, that was about as an 
insane as a single game as we've seen in MLS in general. Uh, you know, leave it out a debut. It's, it's going to take a bit of time, I think, a bit more time to for him to fully settle here. And, um, you know, that debut, as great as it was, is probably going to make things very difficult for him going forward in terms of the standard he's set, especially, I think, in front of goal. I mean, we did see him make some some very good playmaking plays. I mean, the first goal that Toronto FC scored in that game, that's an incredible ball, and that's one that probably only he can play on the team. I mean, Josie, all he had to do was nod that in, so th- that's still mm-hmm. incredible, but that's probably more towards what we can expect from him than, you know, chipping a guy from inside his own box. <laughs> ben? Oh, yeah. I think you, you mentioned the the cross to Josie. I think he he tried that three or four times in that game. It almost worked a few times. I think like the goalkeeper from David Ousted was a big reason why the fire managed to not be down four five nil in the first half. Mm. I think he made he made some nice saves off some crosses like that one like the one from the first Josie Altador goal. Yeah, it take it takes him about twenty minutes to get warm. It took him about twenty minutes to feel his way into the game on his debut, uh, as spectacular as it was. So I think uh, the first 20 minutes of the fire uh, tie, no one was expecting. I mean, we, you could see him sort of gearing up, but then I think he got really frustrated. And mm-hmm. uh, his comments after the game sort of uh, uh, give credence to that. He, uh, they were hacking away at him. And uh, I think moving forward, what's going to be interesting is I, I have two questions moving forward with Pauzy. And that well, the first is, when do we expect uh, the Belgian season to catch up with him physically? Mm-hmm. And the other is, um, are we going to get a Seba 2015 out of him now? I'm not even talking about scoring goals, but I'm talking about him as a cheat code. It took, it essentially took the rest of the league, most of the regular season to figure out Seba. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were throwing everything at him and he was still dancing around like a magician out there. Um, will pause have the same effect or will he wilt, uh, you know, getting double man marked or, 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 you know, when teams start to game plan around him. Uh, uh, you know, the sample size is too small, but certainly Chicago played way better against him than NYCFC did. So, uh, if you want to get worried about that, you know, there's always Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's probably a little too early to worry. I mean, like we said, he's still got himself on the score sheet, but yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially considering, of course, this is a gold cup summer and we'll talk a bit about the gold cup a little bit later on the show, but you know, during those summer months, he'll be expected to be the guy for this team when probably Bradley's away, Oso's going to be away, most likely. I mean, there's a, there's a number of names that could be away for Toronto FC, you know, including the other two designated players. So uh, that, that comes almost during the time when you think they're going to want to rest him the most because that's usually when, um, you know, when players of the, you know, who play in Europe are, are resting. Um, Benedict, you have a point on this. Yeah, I think uh, Greg Vanny mentioned after the game on Saturday that um, not only is he tired from playing a full season in Belgium, but also moving to a new country. Yeah. Has to, has to go buy furniture and do whatever, like, someone who moves into a new country would have to do. So that adds to the extra fatigue. So I have a feeling that they might start resting him earlier in the season to keep him fresh for the Gold Cup run. So instead of resting him in the second half, rest him in the first half. And when the Gold Cup rolls around, he might get to play full, full 90 minutes week in, week out. Yeah, Toronto FC uh, Kawhi Leonard for <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah it's interesting because he's match fit now right but he's going to burn out so if you rest yeah. him and then he loses his fitness uh, yeah I mean like there's so many different ways to skin a cat here like you do you want to keep playing him and let every team get a taste of him and then or do you want to rest him now and maybe keep him a mystery so that you know 
it really is a game like there are so many different ways to do this and there's pros and cons to either thing vanny vanny and t and the toronto fc front office are, are definitely going to earn their money uh figuring out how best to utilize Pozuelo moving forward i think yeah and they do of course have that new kind of sports science department that they brought in as well over the offseason we we're expecting them to use that for the CONCACAF Champions League at the start of the year. They did not really need to, or there was not much science done in any capacity during the CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League run, but uh, maybe this is where they'll they'll earn their money as a consultancy firm. But it, it also does seem, of course, like Toronto FC want to bring in some uh, new players as well. And one of the names mentioned, uh, very familiar this week, that being Aryan Robin. Um, look, this is a player that uh, I think everyone could get fairly excited about coming here, but the the issue, of course, seems to be dollars-wise. Uh, Toronto FC, actually, Ali Curtis uh, kind of threw Gareth Wheeler um, on a TFC Insider this week saying that this was the first he's hearing about it. I, I kind of wonder if TFC has reached out, but I, I think the problem here is that eventually, um, you know, someone like Aryan Robin would expect money to come to a league like MLS. Toronto FC doesn't have that space, uh, even if, you know, say Michael Bradley's going and they want to do some kind of Zlatan deal where he's a TAM player this season and becomes a designated player last, next year. I don't think Aryan Robin is the kind of designated player Toronto FC is looking at. So I wonder if that's kind of what happened there. But very interesting, you know, that's uh, to, to see Toronto linked to a player of that caliber. And uh, certainly they're looking at, at a lot of players. We'll, we'll start with you, Ben. What did you make of kind of the whole situation there? When I first heard it, I was pretty excited. Just as I saw the name, I thought, okay, he's my favorite players growing up, one of them. So mm-hmm. obviously it's exciting, and they need a wide player. and It seems to make a lot of sense. But then you mentioned someone would have to leave. Josie just signed. Pozuelo just came in. So Bradley would be the most likely one to leave of those three current designated players. And I think he's almost certainly going to stay. And I don't think Arian Robbins going to come for anything less than DP money. Mm-hmm. And at this stage in his career, I don't think he's DP level, at least not on a team like Toronto FC, with three perfectly capable DPs already. Uh, I mean, why would Bradley, why is it binary? Why would Michael Bradley have to leave? There's a good chance of the three DPs that would be willing to take a pay cut and mm-hmm. play for a TAM salary. He'd be my number one pick in that equation. So, I mean, I can see a situation where uh, Bradders. Uh, you know, renegotiates his deal and becomes a TAM player next year. But I also don't see Toronto uh, being in a position where they would... I mean, when Zlatan came in on TAM for the Galaxy last year, he wasn't guaranteed 2019. It was a it was a win-win su- uh, situation for both teams. Mm-hmm. Zlatan didn't know if he was capable of playing a season anymore. So, yeah. you know, th- I think Robin's kind of in the same boat where he'd be coming in for Tam, one, because we're midway through the season, two, mm-hmm. and again, I don't even think this applies to Toronto in exclusivity. This could be any other MLS team. And then the idea being, you know, prove it and let's see for 2020 what's going to happen. Now, with Zlatan, it, it was that whole mess with the four DPs and, and Gio Dos Santos having to get bought out of his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you factor that in, there is absolutely no reason not to bring him to Toronto. We're looking for a winger. This guy's a magician. I don't care how expensive he is. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how divey he is. I don't care. I mean, this is Aryan Robin. Like, have we all lost our minds? No, we don't want him. He's too amazing. Like, he's amazing. There was like, 
a good decade where you game planned Ariane, around Ariane Robin. You're like, this mm-hmm. is what he's going to do. He's got one trick, and he's going to come in off the. He's going to come up. He's going to cut in, and he's going to shoot. And everybody knew it, and he <laughs> did it anyway for a decade. Like any anybody that says we don't want him, I'm sorry, is a moron. Like he's amazing. We get we Ariane, we get him. Uh, if he wants to come here, we take him. We figure it out later. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, is he is he is he too old? Maybe. Uh, it does, is he going to underestimate the physicality of MLS? Almost guaranteed. Uh, I don't I don't think any European player can appreciate the travel and the. I mean, I asked last night. Uh, I have a bunch of friends. Well, I had a bunch of friends. They left today, but um, uh, Germany is one time zone. There's no, uh, like, Germany is Central European time. So mm-hmm. playing in the Bundesliga, you're never crossing into other time zones. Whereas, you know, an MLS away, you may be crossing four or five. Yeah. I don't think that Ariane Robin factored that in. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that Ariane Robin factored in playing on less than pristine surfaces. I mean, we're not even talking about turf. We're just talking about bad grass. Uh, so, you know, uh, there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't come. And I don't care about any single one of them. <laughs> if he wants to come to Toronto, I will take him with open arms. I mean, I can only imagine the lineup at Real Sports for Dutch national soccer fans that are like, just take my money. I do yeah. like, you know, like just Robin jerseys over, <laughs> like just take my money. Uh, you know, people saying that, do we want another uh, uh, diva Dutch player? After you know Gregory Vanderveel, yes, yes we do because it's Arjen Robin. There's no reason that we're not taking Arjen Robin. All right, okay, rant over. Go ahead. Yeah, Benedict, you look like you had something to add on this. I think, like as Jeff sort of mentioned it with the real sports thing, I think like off the field, he'd have the same effect as a DP. Mm-hmm. The amount of ticket sales and the jersey sales and all the other sales, they, they'd be enormous. And I think maybe for that reason alone, you try bringing him in. Just to, just to sort of get some of the fans who've fallen off the bandwagon back on the bandwagon again, even. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see both of those points. And, uh, I mean, if they could have done it, you know, on a TAM contract, I think for sure. I, I think it's ridiculous to, you know, age age is ridiculous in this equation. Um, he, he would dominate. You know, if he comes here, he's going to be a dominant player in MLS. Uh like you said, MLS defenders won't really know what to do with him. He's he'll have a tough time with with a you know number of things, and he's definitely an injury prone player in the past. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, listen, he's injured right now, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's not the, the greatest look. I don't know how many minutes you're getting out of him, but I, I I just find it tough to think that he'd be a player you could build a team around in MLS, and that's what Absolutely you need to not. do with your Without with your question. designated yeah. players. So I you know I. Yeah, I think at 35, I could see why a Toronto FC wouldn't necessarily want to do that, even if they could. And I actually agree. I think you potentially can buy Michael Bradley down into the TAM level next year. I think you could potentially see a pay cut, and we might see that, and we might see them go after another designated player after the end of the season. But I don't think it's going to be Aryan Robin. <laughs> Benedict, you, you have something else to add. I was wondering, because you mentioned Aryan Robin's obviously very injury-prone. He's injured at the moment. I was wondering if maybe after the Bundesliga season ends, maybe he'll take off maybe six months and come in next year with David Beckham's team in Miami, perhaps, as one of their marquee first DPs. Uh, that could be a solid option. How's he going to stay match fit for six months? I mean, if he, like... That's the thing. You know, like, yeah. he's he's old enough that six months is the end of, like, it, it, six months is five years at his age. Like, he's got he's to gotta be playing. 
um, even if it's just on the training pitch. He's got to he's got to be playing. Or could or, could go on loan somewhere else, perhaps. Yeah, uh, and and again, I think an expansion team, a DP deal for Robin makes even less sense, right? Just for what Mitch said, like you're not building a team around Ari and Robin. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, Beckham's name is on that, le- that masthead, but mm-hmm. you know, he, it's not his money. There are people that he's vouching for, and that's a tough sell, like to build an expansion side against a 35 year old, uh, attack minded player who never really played nice with others. You know, he's always been at kind of his own, he marched to the beat of his own drum. Right. Yeah, well, at any rate, we do expect Toronto FC to bring in a player by the May 7th deadline. That's what Ali Curtis has said. Apparently, they're in advanced talks with a number of players. I mean, we saw that with the Pozuelo situation. It's a very fluid situation. We, uh, we, you know, we haven't really heard what kind of player they're talking to very much. We know, you know, they've been down, or Ali Curtis has been down in Argentina. That's all we've heard about. There's There was some rumors of, of a Spanish player. I can't remember his name. Uh, as well, that didn't seem very likely, but uh, you'd think they're talking to a number of different options. Uh, again, they do have that top spot in the allocation order as well, which uh, came into play again today. <laughs> this seems like, uh, I mean, this was something that I loved about Tim Bezbachenko as well, uh, and it seems to have carry o- carried over to Ali Curtis, the ability to take full advantage of this league's silly mechanisms and, and kind of <laughs> utilize them to the best. I mean, Toronto FC made a trade today where they, essentially got a first round pick which again first round pick doesn't mean a lot in MLS but they got it for literally nothing I mean basically they traded the first spot in the allocation order to the LA Galaxy so they could use it once they used it and they were in the second spot Toronto FC gets the first spot again so there's no change <laughs> there and they've got that first round pick uh, we were kind of talking today about like Look, I mean, they could use this on a player, but at the same time, do they want to just stick there and just keep, you know, <laughs> taking assets from other teams? Because it seems like not a bad thing to do. No, it seems to be working out for us. And I mean, I think you said, Benedict, that there's not a lot of players on the allocation order that are coming back to MLS anytime soon. Uh, yeah. You know, any anybody that looks interesting on that list uh, is pretty comfortable where they are presently, you know? So... Uh, but it seems to be paying dividends for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, without question. It seems to be like a, a bargaining chip that just keeps on, you know, it just keeps on paying off and we have to do nothing for it. So, yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, you were I, I read an article, I think it was in the in the Sun, uh, where Ali Curtis said, look, we'll hold on to it until it makes no sense anymore. But right now, like we, we're doing nothing and, and, and just, you know, cashing in on it. So absolutely, without question. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the names that has been kind of brought up. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if Dwayne Rollins was just putting two and two together today, or uh, I mean, there, there seems to be layers to the the kind of reporting he does. Sometimes, I mean, he'll full out report something, have sources behind it, like the CanPL. Uh, he was first yeah. on that, but sometimes he'll just kind of throw things out there. And he did mention the name of Julian Green, uh, who's a player I know. I can't remember who on our site. Someone wrote an article about the fact that that one made a lot of sense. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Alan Singh. Actually, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. in terms of that, you know, making some sense. So that could be someone they're they're looking at in the allocation order. Uh, we know Vancouver looked at Kyle Laren as well. I don't know. That doesn't <laughs> seem to make a lot of sense for Toronto FC, as you know, they're looking for a wide player, but that's a player that maybe could consider returning to MLS. I mean, there's a couple of options there, but 
Yeah, and in general, I think it's just one more kind of tool for them to use as they kind of look to to recruit a TAM player. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm pulling for uh, Junior Hollett. I want yeah. him. And yeah, once Cardiff gets relegated, I think we should swoop in and grab that guy. Bring can, him home. Can we, can we trade it for an additional chance to qualify for Conqueropa? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? I don't have I don't have the rule book that's constantly in flux handy, but I think. <laughs> I think it would be a fantastic idea, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if MLS teams can qualify for uh, that competition. But um, <laughs> at, at any rate... Trade for it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Switch mm-hmm. out with the CanPL team. But uh, yeah, I mean, Junior Hoylet's a player that um, I've been on for, for a long time just because, again, this is me putting two and two together. It just makes so yeah. much sense. You know, a Toronto boy oh, yeah. is a player that Toronto FC could use in terms of the position he plays. Uh, I think salary and money-wise, it, it would make full sense. He's, again, his team's... Uh, are they officially relegated? If they're not officially no, relegated, No, I don't, I don't are, think they're uh, officially I think, relegated. I think they're, they're one loss, or, one, one, yeah, one loss yeah. or draw from being relegated. Yeah, so they're so relegated. They're, they're right, they're right on the bubble, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just it just seems to make a lot of sense, but we'll see. We'll see what Toronto FC does. Uh, that could be very interesting. Um, you know, going forward towards that May seventh deadline. Uh, the other bit of club news today is Nick DeLeon, one winger who they actually do have uh, extended very quickly. I mean, just a short amount of time. But I guess also this is the benefit of a player who has been in the league for long enough that you know exactly what you're getting with him. And I don't think he's proven anything different since coming to Toronto FC. He's a player that uh, has fit in almost right away. I mean, even even his first game uh, in a game where no other Toronto FC player really had a good game uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, against Independiente, he looked very good. So um, he's extended until 2021. Uh, I, I really have no problems with this. Again, we don't know what he's getting paid, so... Uh, there's always an asterisk attached to any reaction to any of this news, but Benedict uh, just seemed to make a, a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think not only has he been fairly impressive on the pitch, but also he, as, he said, as you mentioned, fills the void at winger, which it's always good to have some stability going into future years, knowing you at least won. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, also, like off the pitch, he seems to be a good veteran presence. Like seems like all the young guys seem to like hang out with him, see pictures all over the internet. So it seems like he's a good guy in, in the dressing room. The so good I, part I don't have any problems with it. <laughs> I love that we call him a veteran player when he's actually like less than a year older than Pozuelo. He's like twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, he's twenty eight, and now he's twenty seven. I, I mean, it, it's got to it's got to bother him a little bit that they're like, "Hey, old man," and he's maybe six, seven months older than Alejandro Pozuelo. He's been around for a decade in this league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think it's awesome. I mean, we've we've read all the articles. Like Bradders has been effusive in his praise of Nick mm-hmm. DeLeon. Uh, so is Vanny. Uh, he seems to be a glue guy. Uh, you know, the narrative definitely has been steered towards glue guys in the locker room, and and you know wh- that they are they're not Gregory Vanderveel, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and and that seems to be the party line. And they and and very publicly, the, this is very much also a public relations thing. They rewarded a glue guy with a with a deal that basically sorts his career out until. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? A two-year extension, so it sorts him out until thirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's important. Yeah. Uh, so they rewarded. Uh, I, I'm remiss to say veteran because he's not <laughs> that old, but they've rewarded a glue guy who's who's really really performing well. I mean, he's a beast out there. Like 
he's he's very attack minded. He's quite hardworking. He tracks back like crazy. He's got mm-hmm. quite the engine. His his dribbling skills are amazing. Uh, you know, and and he he's not afraid to go one v one or one v two. Like he's. He's a very, very good player for what Vanny's trying to do right now. Really adaptable, good utility, uh, and then you and then you bring in like what he does off the pitch and and mm-hmm. and the vibe that he brings to the locker room. It's an absolute no brainer, and and you're seeing um, that that kind of a decisive uh, re up on his deal. I mean, there's no better example of like it's like we want you forever, so here you go. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good bit of business for Toronto FC and a sign, you know. Uh, kind of a sign of learning as well, because this was the the kind of player they, um, as you mentioned with Gregory Vanderveel and our, our boy Arger Kache, they kind of uh, skipped around this kind of player last year and went for the European players who, um, you know, could add a little bit more of that flair and class, but didn't necessarily fit in in the way that Nick DeLeon has. So they went out and got themselves an MLS veteran to fill the wing this year, and I think that was a a very smart move from Toronto FC and one that's already paying off. Um, with that mm-hmm. being said. Interesting to see how he fits in this weekend because we have another player who's out, and this is a this this is not the the thing that I think Toronto FC fans wanted to hear going into a game against a very good Seattle Sounders side. I mean, they're also unbeaten uh, at home, of course, as well, and uh, you know they've played some some tougher opposition than uh, Toronto FC have so far. So. Uh, Drew Moore is going to be out for this game, or or looks very unlikely from the sounds of things. I think if he's looking very unlikely, there's he's out. Zero, yeah, he's zero percent <laughs> chance he's playing on the turf in Seattle. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's the the silliest idea anyway. So I am so curious to see what they do here. I mean, is Eric Zavaleta healthy? Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. Then I'm wondering if he goes back in. And you go three at the back, and I wonder if you do that almost every time you play away from home, just because we saw it in Philly. Um, you're going to have Simon and Mavinga in there as well. Simon actually played fairly well in that game in Philadelphia. I mean, he had that goal line clearance. He also tried to, you know, samurai kick a guy's head off, and I've never heard Jeff <laughs> laugh more than he did uh, when that happened. Uh, yep, yep. He was absolutely dying because it was just a, such a ridiculous defensive play. But at, at any rate, he, he had a solid game, and uh, I wonder if the three at the back is the way to go because it's just more defensively solid. Um, you know, and and I think it provides those guys with a little bit more shielding when uh, not, you know, certainly all three of them have had moments this, this year where they've looked uh, a little bit shaky. Um, a little so, bit. Yeah, so so that, that's that's what I, I'm thinking. I mean, and I think that means De Leon potentially comes out uh, because he'd kind of be the odd man out. I mean, you're playing wide fullbacks and... Uh, three midfielders. You're not taking Oso, Bradley, or Pozuelo out, um, or Delgado. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think I think this is the trickiest thing Vanny's had to do yet in terms of uh, his formation. Uh, we'll start with you, Benedict. Yeah, I think they could go for the three at the back, but I also I was quite impressed with Lich, uh, Richie Larea, mm-hmm. uh, right back. So I wouldn't be necessarily surprised to see four at the back with. Uh, I'm not sure who would be the second center back. I think Mavinga's got to be the, the lock. I'm not yeah, sure who starts beside sure. him. Because the Mavinga and Simon pairing seemed a bit risky a few times they tried it. <laughs> and and, no, uh, <laughs> please don't. My heart can't take it. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think, I think this could be a very good chance for Eric Zavaleta to go back to his former team, back That's into the right. Red Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, in, go in there, put in a solid performance, and get his confidence back up. Because I, I actually feel bad for the guy in a way. Because I think... 
in 2017, he was one of the most important defenders on the team. I agree. And, and and last year, he had a few glaring mistakes, but I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as people said he was. So I think for him to go in there to, uh, on uh, against Seattle and put in a strong performance could be huge for him and the team. I yeah, I, I think I think kind of like a, a lot of guys last year, he was just not put in a position to succeed very often, and you know without um, without Drew Moore, without some of that veteran presence on the back line, and it, it really showed. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I, I think once he comes back into a more s- settled system, I, th- I think we'll see the old Eric Zavaleta. But uh, the, this weekend's certainly going to be interesting. <laughs> Um, on Laurent Simon, I, I just thought this was this was uh, interesting in terms of the parallels. We all remember that Chris Mavinga two-two game against Atlanta United in 2017 when um, mm-hmm. you know he played horribly. He allowed basically the two goals to happen. Uh, Toronto FC fans were out on him. He didn't play for the next four games. When he had his was remor- it four games? Yeah, wow, it was, yeah. Oh, wow. When he had his miraculous return, it was a one-nil win away to the Seattle Sounders. So if you're looking for poetry, <laughs> oh, if Laurent wow. Simon wants to come back in and have uh, have his big return, it's the perfect opportunity to do so in kind of the exact same situation. So I just I, I kind of remember wow. that, and I thought it was a it was an interesting note. Thanks for that fun fact, Neo. I believe let's put him in. Let's place Simon this weekend. Well, you know? Let's play let's play Zavaleta and Simon. And drop my finger and, to the bench and get both of them going. No, I can't. I can't deal with the guys. I can't. I can't. If you bench Mavinga, it's going to be a, a, a darn it. Storm ben. Jeff was picking up what I was putting down, and you just went <laughs> and bulldozed it all. But yeah, no. I, uh, I think narrative-wise, that would be uh, that would just be too perfect if he if he was able to kind of get himself back in uh, Greg Vanny's and TFC fans' good grace with a with a great That'd performance in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's play him. Yeah, what do we uh, what do we make of that game overall? Just as we leave the the Toronto FC segment here, um, because like I said, two undefeated teams, but um, they they've looked pretty different. Seattle, very good defensively. They've conceded three goals, I think, this year so far, and uh, I mean, um, the underlying numbers kind of back it up too, compared to Toronto FC, who have uh, you know gotten a, a little bit lucky at times this year. Um, so yeah, they look like a they look like a really tough team again this year. I mean, it's weird to see a Seattle team starting out well. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they're just going to be the Invincibles in MLS this year. <laughs> but someone's someone's winning streak has to end uh, uh, this week. Who do we who do we think it will be? <sighs> it's going to be a tough game, guys. It's going to be yeah. a tough away away tie. Uh, I I don't want to see us play for a draw. I'd like to see some some interesting football. I'd like to see both sides go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see Stefan Fry have a crap time and and will you know <laughs> yeah, uh, shake his confidence. Uh, <laughs> so you know I, I uh, if we can come out of the gates, uh, if we don't concede a bunch of soft goals, I think we'll be fine. But if they if they own us in the first fifteen, then it's going to be an ugly thing to watch. That's for sure. Ben. Yeah, I think it, uh, it could be. T- it's obviously TFC's strongest opponent so far. To, so far at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. so I think this is, this is their best challenge to see maybe what can Pozuelo do against the tougher defense. What can Josie do? Because he, he, he's he's on three game in a row with a goal to start his season. So if he can make he can make a four potentially. So I think if TFC can go into Seattle and earn a point or maybe even earn three points, I think that would go a long way to sort of seeing this team is actually legit. They, they could go far this year. 
Yeah, yeah. If if Toronto FC wants to make a statement game, I mean, this could be easily their biggest statement game of the year. This this would go a long way towards uh, showing everybody that 2018 was was a bit of a fluke and that they're back uh, towards the top of the table in terms of MLS teams. Uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like you said, Jeff, uh, they they can do that especially if they come out and and take the game to Seattle a little bit and don't just you know sit back a, a, a nil nil draw where they just hang on do, does really achieve that. It's a you know at, at least a, a solid draw where they've shown them shown you know some good offensive flair. So yeah, uh, I think a big opportunity for Toronto FC. Um, and if we're talking about big opportunities for Reds, the Canadian men's national team were handed one. Uh, this week when they got their draw or well I mean it, it was CONCACAF so it wasn't really a draw they just kind of released the schedule which was one of the more <laughs> hilarious things uh, I've seen uh, you know they, they, uh, we already knew there was going to be some weird uh, you know kinks to the schedule because they had stadiums that they were going to be using and, and that sort of thing so uh, they, they were it was always going to be a little bizarre based on uh, that but yeah Canada Here's their schedule. Uh, they start June 15th against Martinique at the Rose Bowl, uh, where they famously lost 1-0 to that very same team um, a, a couple of Gold Cups ago, I think 2013. Uh, then on the 19th against Mexico at Broncos Stadium. And finally, they wrap up with Cuba on the 24th in North Carolina. Um, you know, Unlike the other Gold Cups where the top three get out, it's only the top two this time. So a tricky one for Canada, particularly, of course, Mexico particularly Mexico at Bronco Stadium. They're going to, you know, this isn't the Azteca, but they are at altitude. They're, it's going to be a pro-Mexican crowd. I think there was 50,000 or something between Mexico and Jamaica the last time they played there. So they're, they're going to get a taste of that, which I kind of love. Uh, I, I think this is the exact kind of thing that uh, Canada really needs. And uh, look, Cuba is going to be a tough game, but playing Cuba in North Carolina versus playing Cuba in Havana, there's, there's a big difference there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah, much yeah. easier. Absolutely. So. Uh, I, I think this is a solid draw for Canada in terms of a group that I think they can get out of. But at the same time, I think there's going to be some big challenges along the way as well. The The main thing I'd be concerned about, though, is that travel. As I mentioned, those they're hopping all over the United States to, to play this <laughs> sure competition. Are. It's pretty ridiculous. And one of the games at altitude. Uh, Jeff, yeah, what do you make of now it? Cuba's also in our, our Nations League uh, yeah, group, correct. right? But Mexico and Martinique are exclusive to the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. And Mexico is Tata Martinez, Mexico now. Yes. So uh, that's going to be that's <laughs> very gonna dangerous be a, looking that, side. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous looking side. Um, we're not the group of death, though. I can't. I don't remember the figures, but I, uh, one of the other groups actually had a, a, a higher average rating than we did um, I'll, uh, in I'll our take group. A look at the groups, yeah. Well, you're. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't remember. It was a tweet. Maybe it was a tweet. Maybe it was an article. But we're definitely not the group of death. Um, you know, this is what we want. We can't keep playing minnows, right? Like, we've got to start playing some meaningful competitive matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, we, we, we're getting our, uh, we're going to be tested now. And, and everybody says that's what they want. Uh, so here it is. Let's, uh, let's make good on the promises, right? You know, let's uh, see what we can do. I, I'm not worried about the attack. I'm mm-hmm. very much worried about our center backs. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to find out. Uh we're going to see uh, what, what this team's all about. And, and that's great. You know, it, it's enough already, like, playing, uh, playing these softer matches. Uh, this is CONCACAF, you know, playing at altitude, crossing time zones. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's time to see what we're made of in, in both competitions. It's a lot of international matches. I'm super, like, win or lose, 
it's great for uh, for uh, national football. It's great for the Canadian men's national team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gives them that excellent opportunity going into the World Cup qualifying. Just uh, quickly before I throw to you, Ben, that group of death is the Group D, USA, Panama, Trinidad. Uh They're getting Trinidad again. And uh, and Guyana. So uh, that's that's the one that uh, I think will be the most uh, tricky in terms of teams on paper, for sure. But um, Canada's is probably the the second closest. Uh, What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think I think a reasonable goal for Canada is, is a reasonable and maybe an expectation is to get out of that group mm-hmm. in that second spot. I, I think Mexico probably have that group blocked already. Well, obviously, you never know with international football, but I think I think Mexico are obviously the much obviously the strongest team in that group. Yeah, probably. And I, think, yeah. I think Mexico is is the part of that group that scares me because like Carlos Vela looks the best form of his life. Mm-hmm. He score hat tricks every week in LAFC. Yeah, but, but didn't isn't Tata not calling him up like he didn't call him up for the last mexico camp and he yeah. was public about it. yeah i yeah. think there's some kind of rift there so okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean and he's so, a beast i don't i don't even understand like it's it's insane that tata's like he's in the form of his life right now but yeah uh, there you go you know and the whole mexican team generally is, is a dangerous side and, and i think our back line mm-hmm. could struggle with that especially with, with that game being at altitude after traveling all over the place as you mentioned i think i think all those factors don't make it sound like a very good game for Canada on paper. Mm-hmm. But um, well, anything, anything can happen. I think yeah. I want, I'm interested to see who those that center back pairing and the back four in general is going to be for Canada. I think there's a lot of gray area there at the moment. But uh, I think, as Jeff mentioned, like this is this is what needs to happen. Like we need to play these big games. Like mm-hmm. no one, no one's been really tested under John Herdman yet. I think, I think it's time to just go for it. Yeah, and Bernhalter needs to start Bradley and Josie against that Trinidad and Tobago game. <laughs> I, I, I want nothing more than Trinidad to beat USA. Yeah, I, want, I want nothing again, more yeah. than that to happen. Yeah, but, but only if he doesn't play Bradley and Josie exactly, so exactly, that I can yeah. I can go all over Twitter and be like, you lost because you didn't play Bradley and Josie. <laughs> exactly. And then <laughs> he asked so, Over at US men's national mm-hmm. team fans always tweet at Charlie. Yeah, so I think yeah. it'd be nice for Charlie to tweet back at them for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true enough, true enough. But yeah, in terms of narratives, uh, I don't think you can get much better than that. Uh, oh, it's so juicy! That Cup is groups. a tasty yeah. narrative. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's going to be a, a great Gold Cup. Very much looking forward to to June. Um, also looking forward to this summer, the Women's World Cup in Canada. Uh, we got a little bit of a look at them with a couple of friendlies this week. Uh, Christine Sinclair still still magic. Four goals away oh, from Abby Wambach now. Scoring against England in a one nil win, uh, you know they also beat Nigeria, but I think that England one is the one certainly they'll be focusing on, and most people will be focusing on because England really do look like a favorite for this tournament, and being able to yeah. beat a team like that going in, um, I know it's not you know the United States who's kind of the boogeyman when it comes to to Canada soccer in general, but you know to be able to beat a club like or a side like that and have that confidence going in, that's that's got to be massive, doesn't it, Jeff? Yeah, it's huge. It's it's huge. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, and what's uh, there's been a lot of dark clouds over the women's game in Canada with mm-hmm. the with the the you know the news of of how sick and twisted an organization the Whitecaps were about ten years ago, and then uh, just to switch sports for a second, but uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League folding, right? Uh, you know, with the excuse that it's a not viable business model, mm-hmm. um, which is a which is a huge uh, load of BS. Because I mean, MLS is not viable. Every franchise is losing <laughs> money all the time. Uh, so 
you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's depressing to see what's happening. Uh, and, 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 you know, as purse strings are tightening, uh, the women's game, you know, in hockey, like it, it's hard, it's hard because in Canada, hockey kind of is king, but yeah. you know, soccer's on the, on the uptick, uh, this world cup cycle is going to do wonders for, uh, for the visibility of the sport. And I, I, you know, a lot of the Canadian women's athletes are getting quite vocal on the social medias about the lack of promotion uh, for Canadian women's matches uh, and and that sort of thing. So, I I I think it's I think it's a good time for uh, you know more people to get involved and and I do think that their performance is going to have a knock on effect on that. So it, their confidence just means more eyeballs and 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 hopefully it will snowball and and we'll see some positivity out of it in, in myriad different ways. Benedict. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was another subpar podcast that mentioned this, uh, which I won't name. <laughs> Love it. Um, this <laughs> that said, um, like Christine Sinclair should hopefully break the goals record at the World Cup. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think if if that were to happen, that would be huge for the game in Canada, for both boys and girls. But I think probably seeing like someone like Christine Sinclair, like one of the best international footballers of all time, both mm-hmm. genders. I, I think to, to see her break the record. At the at the World Cup, when everyone's watching, would would be huge, without Wait, a doubt. You said another subpar podcast. Did you mean that to like group them together, or did you mean that in, like um, a different yeah, yeah. Pod, all, all pod. The competition behind Footy Talks? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Benedict's, Benedict's starting beefs with yeah. everyone. This is fantastic. I love it. It's going to be a fun week for you, Benedict. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, I, I I do think it is an interesting time for women's sports in general, and. Um, it does seem like soccer uh, on the women's side is actually trending in a very good direction. Um, uh, I don't know fully about the North American game at the moment, but in Europe, I mean, we're seeing incredible strides being taken. Uh, some of those clubs, uh, I mean, we, most of Canada is now based in Europe uh, in terms of the women's players, which certainly hasn't been the case in the past. Um, there's money over there now. We're hearing about record crowds almost every week, it feels like, out of different parts of the world, which is so exciting. And uh, obviously, it's going to make the job for Canada that much tougher in terms of staying ahead, um, even if they do have that head start. But, you know, I think I think if you're the Canadian women's national team, you fully welcome that competition and, Absolutely. and get more and more excited as as the game continues to get deeper. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to the World Cup as well. Uh, like I said, going to be a very exciting summer. And the third reason why it's going to be such an exciting summer for Canadian soccer, of course, is the Canadian Premier League. Um, we have some news today about where potentially we'll be able to see some of those games. Friend of the show, Gavin Day, revealing that CBC will be showing at least 20 games across multiple platforms um, during the, during this uh, this inaugural season. For me, this is incredibly exciting. I don't know which games they're starting with or um, you know, which games they're going to choose and what platforms it will be on, but I don't think it really matters because, you know, um, obviously you'd like to see them on TV more than streaming, but even, even then, I mean, the CBC website is a huge one in Canada. And, um, you know, for me personally, this is how I found Toronto FC. This is how I got looped into Canadian soccer. I mean, I was just on CBC one day, uh, like, uh, flipping the the TV channels when that used to be a thing, and um, and came across uh, the CBC and uh, TFC were playing. So 
Um, you know, th- this is the reason I'm into all of this um, is the fact that it was on a, a readily available national broadcaster, and I do think you know it doesn't make it doesn't make the impact that it used to when CBC was in every home and one of like five channels, and one of the channels just showed Goldfish. Um, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I still think it's, it's massive for the Canadian Premier League if it, if it is in fact, uh, true, Jeff, you, you want to start? Well, I mean, this is, this is the knock on effect of the, the media pro deal, right? Mm-hmm. They've made it so tasty for CBC. CBC just comes in as the carrier of the signal. I mean, yeah. it is a, it is essentially like buying a DVD. They, their involvement with the nuts and bolts production is mm-hmm. so limited it's so attractive to CBC. It's a match made in heaven. Um, am I excited about this one soccer streaming service? Like yet another thing that I have to pay a monthly fee for in order to access CPL games? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. Um, but, you know, five, you know, $5 a month is not going to hurt that much, especially when I'm essentially supporting the CPL's uh, uh, continued existence. You know, it was right. very easy to buy my forged season tickets despite Mm -hmm. living in toronto because you know even if i make it to five games uh i've still given i've still invested in a league that i very much believe in and uh so you know we i think we all at the end of the day does it matter if it's on one soccer or DAZN? i mean they're both not terrestrial broadcasters so realistically the benefit of this media pro deal and i was screaming it from the mountaintops when it was announced you know a couple months ago was that it was going to make uh, CBC carrying these games so much more attractive. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen that today with this announcement. So, you know, CBC now gets to program and pretty much cherry pick uh, whatever games they want to broadcast. And we know that they'll all be of a certain standard. Like they'll all yeah. have a certain professionality to them, which means that uh, the average viewer isn't you know immediately is going to have an aesthetic uh uh the aesthetic value is going to create a uh is going to create an idea of what the league is for the average eyeballs just like Mm -hmm. you when you watch tfc you know oh so long ago uh there's nothing that isn't positive about this whatsoever like there is no negativity what's to this whatsoever it's fantastic wonderful news can't wait you know that the inaugural match is probably going to be one of those games uh, on the 27th and uh that solves the conundrum because it it is uh it is competing with you know tfc which is going to be on tsn i assume uh and uh the, you know it, it's just a match made in heaven it's wonderful i, I can't i can't gl- i can't uh be more effusive in my praise about it before i jump to you quickly benedict is this probably going to help the the national teams as well in terms of getting their games on tv more because we you know canada especially on the men's side uh, we've we've seen a lot of those games get streamed or or what have you but if especially the games in Canada you know if if they have the broadcasting crew there already you'd think uh, TSN would be more likely to put them on yeah i mean uh the deal with media pro was also uh covering the canadian men's and women's national teams right yeah but i'm not entirely sure because concacaf has their own streaming service they have concacaf go yeah uh so I am not entirely sure how those rights work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I haven't seen the paperwork, but I would assume that the Media Pro deal supersedes the Concacaf deal. In which case, that we would see the CBC step in and carry more Canadian men's national team games, and the same effect would would be uh, part and parcel with that a higher standard of production because Media Pro could you know they they can do this in their sleep. Yeah. Any thoughts on this, Benedict? 
I think just sort of like as Jeff mentioned there, like just as many people as you can watching these games, the better. Because you mentioned like you you first follow TFC on on because you happen to find it one day. Like if people keep doing that, they see oh this is a team in its first or a league in its first year, mm-hmm. and they can say I followed them from the beginning, and they might continue to follow them. So I think the more exposure you can get, the better. Sounds good. Yeah, Benedict. Uh... Quickly before we move off the Canadian Premier League, you were actually at the uh, kit launch. I guess that was two weeks ago. Um, I mean, very exciting night. Uh, I mean, I know kits for me as a, as a soccer fan are one of the most uh, exciting parts. It, this was one of the things that I was looking forward to most. Uh, uh, you know, when this league was was kind of settled in terms of all the details, uh, this was one of the things we wanted to see. Um, what did you make of the night, and, and I guess some of the kits that stood out to you? Yeah, I think the night overall was incredible, a lot of fun. But I think as for the kits themselves, like there wasn't one that I don't like. I think all of them, I like some more than others, mm-hmm. certainly. But I think there's there's none where I think that's horrible. Like that that's an awful kit. Like there's, I do like the majority of them. So I, I think I think Macron and and CPL did a pretty good job. And I know they're going to be doing more kits in October. So these kits aren't going to last long anyway. So yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Um, that, that seems to be the case with any uh, any soccer kits in in world soccer right now. I mean, their the turnover is unbelievable. Uh, Jeff, which kits didn't you like? Because you made a bit of a face. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, I'm gonna do a shout out to one of them lesser podcasts, uh, uh, Kit Nerd Mark, and, and the Vocal Minority Crew did a two part episode where they dissected each kit, yeah, uh, uh, each and every kit for at length. Um, my least favorite is the is the uh, Forge Away kit. That V neck okay. is is criminal. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like Urban Outfitters, uh, you know, a Bizarro World Urban Outfitters like low scoop V neck. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people really like the uh, the the Halifax and the Pacific kits. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so sold on them. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite, because you're older, it's probably your it's probably your <laughs> nine away. Which uh, looks ridiculous. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's all, like they're it's great. I'm I'm a kit nerd. I there's I, I love them all. I think they uh, well, I mean more than others. Uh, you know, it, it, there's certain things about them that are a bit too macron for me. Like you know, like they a lot of them are way over designed, uh, and uh, you know a lot of there's a lot of like details that. Uh, to me just don't make any damn sense uh you know there's some collar designs that just are you know and i think <laughs> i actually went on the macron site and far be it for me to there a lot of them are a lot closer to template kits than we'd like to think they are because mm-hmm. uh, i did a, i did a deep dive into into the macron templates just to see uh you know if if we're really getting proper custom jobbies and i and i'd have to say it's a lot closer to 50 50 than you know 80 uh 80 20 or, or whatever the ratios thrown out uh previously are but it's it's hard not to get excited uh knowing that they're going to get a refresh at least for the next three years both yeah. home and away it's pretty amazing um you know uh macron cares they get they you know they they give a crap about about uh uh, uh being the exclusive kit sponsor for the league mm-hmm. and it shows um, so again, it's a, it's a win-win, uh, the, you know, let's, uh, let's see them in action. Let's see, let's see how they dance. Yeah. At this not, point. not just a logo stuck on a plain Jersey <laughs> yeah. like Nike. 
thank, and thank goodness that even the white kits have like weirdo pinstripes on them that don't make <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so like we're not we're not stuck with like a bunch of boring white away kits like certain mls so yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the that's kind of the best thing you can say about it is they're all unique. Um, even if you know sometimes they're unique in in ways that aren't so great. Uh, at least you know they tried to do something with all of them. Um, you know, any kit that has a trident on it has me sold uh, uh, immediately. <laughs> so everybody loves awesome. the trident. I mean, it's a beautiful I kit. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's the color what? scheme too. The, the color scheme uh. that Pacific has is incredible. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's like Two Face has a jersey. Like I know that it's just a subtle differentiation. Like it's just split down the middle, like Two Face, and then the trident. Like it's a bit Stop phallic, but, but it's don't like get inverted started. Oh, yeah, Benedict, uh, are you screen grabbing this for future old man yells at crowd or cloud uh, <laughs> gifts that we need for the chat? Um, <laughs> before we uh, before we finish up here, uh, I, I did want to have. Uh, uh, a bit of fun. I mean, we've been having a lot of fun on this, this week's <laughs> podcast, but uh, Benedict and I kind of came up with something called the uh, All Flow 11. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of hockey hair, um, and some of it's translated to soccer as well. So Benedict said he'd make a, a team of 11 players who have the best hockey hair in, in all of soccer. Um, so it's kind of more... Woo! More Cavani style uh, hair than than Zlatan. I, I disallowed man buns just because I don't consider that <laughs> to be uh, to be flow per se. So um, th- those are the rules. Benedict, uh, you want you want to fill? No us one in told me about this, and when I saw it on your rundown. I was like, is that like a hip hop station? Is that yeah. like a new Toronto <laughs> hip hop station? So yeah, I might I might have to tap out on this one because I I'm thinking of yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Benedict. Uh, I thought we were all doing flow FCs. Uh, I do. I do have my team here, though. All right, go ahead. In, in goal, I have David Seaman. Yeah, he had some long stuff. hair back in the day. Yeah, there's a little bit of ponytail, but still some nice long hair. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, in defense, from right back, I have Hector Bellerin, probably the best hair in the Premier League. In Love my that. Opinion. Yep. Yeah, some nice luscious hair. Uh, left back, Paolo Maldini. Yeah. Great, great player. Good shout. Some, yeah. Some wall hair. Center back pairing. Some some Spanish legends. A Sergio Ramos and Carlos Puyo. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. What <laughs> did Ramos do though? Like what 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 era like of Sergio? The old, Ramos? the old Ramos, like two thousand and like eight or two thousand six, right. like the really old one. No okay, Alexi Lawless love. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, in in uh, uh this is a four four two, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> the formation really matters. <laughs> I was with you, Ben, until you get until you put him in a four four two. English, you have to do a four four two. Yes. Um, speaking of English, uh, left midfield got David Beckham. Nice, right? The old, the old uh, Real Madrid days. All right. A little bit, a little bit before my time, but gotta give the throwbacks. Mm-hmm. In the in the middle, maybe maybe the best hair in the team, Andrea Pirlo. Yeah, he's, he's a captain sort for of his, sure. It's his, his his staple. Uh, this this one, I'm not sure for calling this flow. I'm not sure if dreadlocks count as flow, but we got the uh, Kyle Beckerman. Oh, okay. His, his hair is pretty quite quite long. I think dreadlocks are like the legit opposite of flow, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, then you're not gonna like that Edgar Davids is like on my team for sure. <laughs> Well, we, we can right. switch him for uh, we can switch him for Luka Modric if you like. I add him in there. 
penciled in. No bowl cuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, obviously, the best player of all time, Lionel Messi on the right wing. Mm-hmm. Back in the day with Del Barcelona. He had the, the long hair, like, maybe five or six years ago. All right. Yeah, then up, up top, uh, Edinson Cavani. Yep. Hey, I, I just wrote him down, so you <laughs> scooped my, my one guy. There you go. Okay. And then uh, my last one, striker. This one, I'll, I'll give you both a guess, and I'm willing to bet $1,000 that you're not going to guess it. Whoa. <laughs> Horrible bet. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I've got, like, of, of all international footballers, I have to guess one throw guy. Throw someone out. Uh, Andy Carroll. I'll narrow, it down to prim- I'll narrow it down to Premier League. Wasn't Andy Modern Carroll. Premier League? No, former Premier League. George Best. No, that's, a, that's a bit bit further back than I had. Uh, uh, do we still get that? Right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I said, do I get $1,000? <laughs> like, I, go ahead. Who is it? Uh, I've gone with Jimmy Bullard. Oh, oh man. Yeah, he, he, had, he had some yeah, he's a little bit lesser known player, but I think these days he's probably more famous for his stuff on Soccer AM than he was actually as a player. Mm-hmm. True but, enough. Yeah. Now, who's uh, who's the guy? Uh, was it was it Echeverry, uh, the like early MLS with the giant? Oh, the uh, Colombian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't put Marouane Fellani. Yeah, or, or, or Carlos Valderrama. Oh, that, yeah, Valderrama as well. Those those two belong. Filiani uh, for sure yeah. with the Afro, and and Axel Witzel for sure with the Afro. Uh, I'm trying Michael to think Bradley. of other. Well, no. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm trying to think of other good ones. Um, what's his face? Uh, Cisse with the with the green hair. Uh, if you're man buns and David De Gea. No, but we're man buns aren't allowed, yeah, guys. We usually are. Yeah. You know, gonna have, you're gonna have to. Yeah, we'll have to come back with an all hair team in yeah, general the gonna, next time we have you on. Because versus, I'm not. Uh, gonna, I can't do this on the fly, guys. I'll rock. I'll rock Just your world, man. I'll go. Right, I'll go right back to like before <laughs> football was football when they were still calling it something different. Like I'll, I'm going pre-schism, man. Like don't you worry. I'll, I'll have like PDFs for you. Oh my god, you got to prep me next time. This is can't put me on the spot like that. So this is we'll why we didn't right include. Uh, this is why we didn't include Jeff in there. A bunch of lineups. A bunch of the hair lineup, the bald lineup with all the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you'll get you're just an hour of just rambling. Yeah, visual <laughs> visual aids. Oh my goodness, guys! You have, it sounds you more like a red hot take segment. Than <laughs> it does, it does sound more like a red hot take segment. Absolutely. Right, well, does. well, then you uh, I promised Benedict we'd uh, we'd do that on the podcast, and <laughs> I'm glad we did. We got some great names. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was a pretty solid lineup. There's not too many players who I think uh, got left out of that. So so very well done. Um, some names I wasn't expecting as well, but I think we're we're solid shouts. <laughs> Maybe yeah. yeah, yeah. That's off. I'll to take you. my thousand dollars now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, thanks everyone else for listening. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up here. Uh, check out both these guys' work over at uh, Waking the Red. Uh, and as well, always, ratings and reviews are much appreciated. Uh, even feedback as well if you guys have anything uh, you want to say in terms of what you want to hear on the show going forward or ideas. Uh, let me know. Uh, otherwise,